0: For those that are joining us for today, or for the first time, uh, we are finishing off our sermon series, Today in Discipleship, we're, 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 we're finishing off series in disciplines where we've gone through 12 weeks of spiritual disciplines. We've covered topics like prayer, fasting, meditation, study, submission, service, witness, solitude, guidance, confession, and last week Eugene finished off with worship, and today We pull it all together in the discipline of celebration. How fitting it is that we finish today on Palm Sunday. That we finish today uh, when, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and there was a celebration. That There was a feast and as Jesus came in, celebration broke out. That Jesus in his three years of ministry, that he never, he finished his ministry in Jerusalem, that he never actually went into Jerusalem until his last week before his death on the cross. And as he enters into Jerusalem, this marks that final chapter for Jesus. That as Jesus enters into Jerusalem riding on a colt, a colt is a baby donkey, never been ridden before, never broken in, that this fulfills a prophetic word that the king will enter into Jerusalem. That this was worth celebrating, and people were celebrating because there was a great expectation for what Jesus was going to come and do. People, as Andrew said, people didn't really know what to expect, but they just knew that a king was to arrive. But this king arrived on a donkey. He didn't arrive majestic, carried... By, by a procession or anything, he arrived riding on a donkey and this already broke everybody else, everybody's expectation of what this king was going to do. But yet there was celebration. Celebration of Jesus coming into the prophetic word of the king arriving in Jerusalem. As Jesus entered, people were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. You see, the the discipline of celebration is just that. It's about celebrating the goodness that comes from the Lord. The discipline of celebration comes as a result of all of the spiritual disciplines working in our lives. The disciplines transform our outlook, our character, and aligns us to the person of Jesus. As we've mentioned over the past 12 weeks, spiritual discipline is to produce in us a deep character formation. The more we practice these spiritual disciplines, the deeper we experience the holy habits of a transformed life. We begin to see the fruits of the spirit come through the character formations and the fruits of the spirits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These character formations contrast those of anger, of bitterness, of resentment, of hostilities, and deceit in our lives. It impacts our relationships with our spouse, our children, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, and even our enemies. You see, Richard Foster says this, when we live, when our lives become form, conform, and transform into Christ's likeness then celebration becomes possible. No longer do we undermine or sabotage the good work of God. We can simply and joyfully celebrate the goodness of God in us and those around us. Celebration is made possible as the common ventures of life are redeemed. You see, celebration is vital in our part of, in, is a vital part of our disciplines as it recognizes and gives thanks to the blessings that God has given us. It cultivates an attitude of gratitude and reminds us of God's goodness and faithfulness, and it helps us find joy in everyday life. You see, joy is at the heart of celebration. In Psalms 118.24, it says this, This is the day that the Lord has made Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You see, each day is given to us by God, and actually St. Augustine says this, he says that the Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ, the Christian, should be an alleluia from head to foot. So as we come today, let us pray, and we're going to get into it. Father God, as we come to celebrate Palm Sunday, may you teach us to celebrate the every day. Lord, teach us to see your work in our lives. Lord, reveal more to us your heart for us and reveal to us your heart for the world. Lord, may we continue to be your witness as we claim you and we claim your victory over death. Lord, we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So celebrations, you see, my as a person, naturally, I like to celebrate, but I don't like to celebrate ev- the way that everybody likes to celebrate. I like to celebrate quietly. For me, the, 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 the social aspects of celebration gives me a lot of anxiety as an introvert. And so for me, like, <coughs> for example, my 40th birthday last year, I'm in my 40s now, guys. I started off in this church as a young adult, so. But my 40th birthday last year, you know what I did to celebrate my 40th birthday? I got a hotel room, put myself into it, and I read, had scotch, and sat in the hot tub. That's what I did for my 40th birthday. <laughs> That's how I celebrate. That's the way that I celebrate myself. It's, it's, it's what I do. I'm very introverted in that way. But celebration is something that God calls us to do, right? This week is my son's birthday. He turns six on April 6th. This is champagne birthday. He doesn't get any champagne though. And my son, <laughs> my son asked for a birthday party at IKEA. <laughs> you know, weird he's he's a pretty weird kid. Uh he loves IKEA's fish and chips. He for some reason he just IKEA is this. Amazing restaurant (laughs) for him. (laughs) Honestly, Ikea is some of the worst food I've ever had, but my son (laughs) loves it. And he wants his birthday at Ikea, and he's invited a couple friends, and he's just like, I'm going to have a birthday party at Ikea's restaurant. That's what he's going to do. That's what we're going to do for his birthday on April 6th. But celebration, (laughs) this is something that my son has been looking forward to for a very long time. He's been counting down since February to his birthday because we said after mom's birthday, after dad's birthday, then it's your birthday, and both Steph and I had a birthday in February. So he's been counting down since then. And he's so excited. He's like, five more days, dad. He woke up this morning, like, dad, five more days. Five more days, it's my birthday. And we're going to go to Ikea, and we're going to have dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah. It's celebration something that we look forward to, right? It's a time where we, we gather, we feast. That's the best part of celebration is the feasting part of it not IKEA, but you get it, right? (laughs) That we get to feast, we get to, we, we stand in a place where we're celebrating something. Yesterday, I know the church came together and we celebrated that Maggie got her PR. But in that celebration, I know that we also got to celebrate a lot of other things, like God's goodness of what God's doing in this church. And that Maggie's story is just a small part of what God is doing in this church, that God's goodness is extending into this church, and there's so many testimonies that are coming out of just God's goodness and what God is doing here at Five Stones. And all of those things are worth celebrating, and that's what the discipline of celebration pivots on and and, and is rooted in. It's in celebrating the goodness of God. You see, celebration is at the heart of the way of Jesus. You see, many times when we look at the Bible and we we look at our church traditions, oftentimes we pound the laws and the rules and the judgments, but the reality is the Bible as a a whole is the story of Jesus and his redemptive act and of celebration. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's about. That the Bible is about celebration, that the Bible is about Jesus coming into this world, and that's worth celebrating. That Jesus coming into this world, even his death on the cross, is worth celebrating. That celebration doesn't only happen around Christmas or Thanksgiving or birthdays, but celebration is a daily activity of recognizing God's goodness in our lives. In the Bible, we see many acts of celebration and feastings and victories. And all of these things point to the goodness of God. But at the heart of why we celebrate is joy. Joy that comes out of our hearts, out of the depths of who we are. We are able to celebrate because we have joy. John 15, 11 says this, these things I have spoken to you that... My joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy comes from knowing the love of the Father. It comes from knowing who we are at the very core of who God created us to be. Spiritual formations develop the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit help us navigate life in what comes at us and how we respond to it. The discipline of celebration is about joy. Without joy, the disciplines can become dull Mm -hmm. and it can become religious. You see, joy isn't about being happy. Happiness is an emotion, but joy happens even through trials and tribulation. Joy is found on the road to restoration That is, when we face our sin, our guilt, and our shame, God gives us joy because we know that God has chosen us. That is what the source of joy is. You see, in the book of Nehemiah, there's a story in which we see the nation of Israel having been exiled out of the promised land, given over to the Babylonians, God, through Nehemiah, restores his chosen people. He rescues them even after they have suffered through their consequence in rejecting God and rejecting God's promises. And in Nehemiah 8, we see that Ezra begins to read God's laws to his people. And what his people had to face is emotions of guilt, of disobedience, of rebellion. It came with shame and it came with guilt but God affirmed them and reaffirmed them that they were still his chosen people and that he was still their God. This is joy. Nehemiah actually says in, in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your, is your strength. That even in the place where you are looking at your shame and you're looking at your guilt and looking at your places of, of, of disobedience, God says, no, the joy of the Lord is your strength. For you to get through this time period, you need to be able to sit in the joy of the Lord, that the joy of the Lord comes because I have chosen you. Think about that phrase, that I have chosen you. God says, I have chosen you. That every single one of you that are sitting here in these seats today, in this room, that God says, I have chosen you. That I chose you first. That you didn't choose me, but I chose you first. That you're able to sit here and be in right relationship with me because I chose you first. That as I chose you, I invited you into a relationship with me. That's what God is saying, that this is where joy comes from. That It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how hard you work or how hard you didn't work. It doesn't matter how deep your rebellion is, that God says, I still have chosen you. And this is the message of the cross, and we're going to go into this next week as we celebrate Easter together. But this is the central message of the gospel. That God says, I love you so much. that I chose you. Today, if that's the only thing that you need to hear, I want you to hear that. Because that's worth celebrating. God is saying, I chose you. That you are here today because I chose you. That even though you feel alone, that I've chosen you. That even though you feel like there's, there's nothing in this world for me, God says, I chose you. That you're not alone. That I have been there every single step, every single day that you've lived, every single second that you've, you, 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 you've, you've gone through, every breath that you take, that I was there. And I chose you from the very beginning. Then in Luke we see the story of the prodigal son. Story that we all know well. In Luke fifteen, if you have your Bibles turned there, Luke fifteen. The story goes that there are two sons in which the younger son decides to take his inter- inheritance and he blows off all his inheritance until he has nothing. And in which then he goes back at, he, at his rock bottom, he decides and realizes that my life is better if I just go back to my father. It's better than sitting here and being eating the scraps that are given to pigs, that I, it's better for me to go back to my father. And as he goes back to his father, he has this heart of guilt. He has this heart of just, I disobeyed that I have wasted everything. And as he's walking back to his home, his father sees him from afar. And he knows his son is coming. He drops everything, runs to his son with open arms and says, come back. Come back. And then not only does he says, come back. He says, go and sacrifice the best. The best lamb, the best sheep, the best cow, the best food. Prepare and celebrate with me for my son has returned. That celebration. The celebration that, that, that this has is a deep joy. It's not, it's not a place where it's like, oh, my son is coming back. I'll see what he does next but it's one that is unconditional. It's one that is, is lavish with love. You see, this is who our Father is. This is where joy comes fra- from. Joy is a deep sense that grounds us in knowing our safety, our identity, our worth is in knowing that God is always pursuing you. That he is always saying, come. He's always inviting you into a relationship and that he initiates mercy, he initiates grace, he initiates forgiveness, and he initiates compassion. That is our father and that is the source of our joy. That God loves you. That God initiates everything with you. That God leaves the 99 to come after you. That God sent his son so that heaven can invade earth. That God is a good father. That he is a good father that loves you. That is our Father. That is where our joy needs to come from. Joy helps us through the difficult times. Our emotions may not be happy, but our hearts are filled with joy. The joy of the Lord is a constant gladness, and it causes us to rejoice. It is an inner strengthening from our relationship with God, and we celebrate because our joy rests in the love of God and the presence of him. And trusting that through the difficulties God will see us through, that gives us joy for us to celebrate. Our posture of celebration comes from our prayer life, our study life, our meditation, our fasting, our confession, our worship. And when we celebrate what God is doing in our lives, it actually leads us to more prayer, more study, more meditation, more fasting, more confession, and more worship. You see how this goes? That all of these disciplines come together in this place of celebration. All of these disciplines come together because we understand who God the Father is for us. When we celebrate the good things in our lives, we are cultivating an attitude of gratitude and it reminds ourselves of God's goodness and faithfulness. Celebrating the good things in our lives is not just about marking special occasions, but also finding joy in everyday life. It is about recognizing God's blessings no matter how big or how small they may seem and giving thanks to the one who has given all these things to us. We begin to recognize the generosity of our Father, and we respond by giving generously and cheerfully. When we give, we are acknowledging God's provision. We are acknowledging God's provision for our lives and celebrating His goodness. Giving is a way of participating in God's work. Tithing is a way of participating in God's work. God's it is contributing to building God's kingdom on earth, but it's also a way of expressing gratitude and joy for all that God has done for us. In Malachi 3, we actually have the story where God invites his people to test him by bringing the full tithe into the storehouse, right? And he promises to pour out blessings that are too great to contain. And, we actually, and when we give our tithe and offerings, what we're doing is we're actually celebrating God's provision and trusting his faithfulness to provide for our needs. Tithing in the Old Testament was about a tenth of what we make. But tithing in the New Testament is actually about generosity. You see, tithing in the Old Testament is a law that was set in place. We find these laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but tithing in the New Testament, Paul already understands that the people of the Jewish culture already understands the concept of tithing. So he goes on in Second Corinthians, says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, in all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. When we tithe, it's not always about just giving the 10% because I really believe that when we look at the story of Malachi, I think sometimes when we look at the tithing culture in the church, it almost becomes transactional, right? It comes it comes to a place where it's like if I give my 10%, God will bless me. And our, our, our thought and our mindset is a, a little bit of a transactional mindset. If I give, God gives back. That's not what it's about. That's not what tithing is about. Because Paul breaks that, he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, but God loves what? A cheerful giver. That giving is an act of celebration, that tithing is an act of celebration. It's not a transactional thing, but it is out of the joy that comes out of your heart that you recognize what God has given you. You recognize what God is blessing you with, and when you give, you give out of that place of celebration. I know we, we, we put out a tithing challenge last year, and uh, I, I think that many of you guys have rose, r- risen up to that, that challenge. But I want to continue to, to bring this in the forefront of your minds that actually is not just about giving so that you receive but it's giving because God has already given you so much. It's giving because I wanna celebrate the goodness of God. I wanna celebrate what God is doing in my life. I wanna celebrate everything that I have received. That God is generous with me so I'm generous with God. That God is generous with me so that as I give into God's ministry that the ministry of God blesses others. Tithing is about cultivating a joyful and grateful heart. It's about recognizing God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. It's about giving thanks to his blessing let us learn to celebrate the blessing in our lives both big and small and give generously and cheerfully to support the work of god and his his work here on earth celebration gives us a perspective on ourselves w- that we are not nearly as important as or as we often think we are and that celebration has a way of bringing us a needed balance You see, one thing that celebration does is that it brings everything together, right? It brings everyone together. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're high and and mighty or you're weak and lowly. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're powerful or powerless. That there's no caste system when it comes to celebration. That even when Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a banqueting table, that everybody is welcome to that banqueting table. That's one image that I love about heaven. That's gonna be a feast. It's gonna be a banquet. I just came back from Mexico at an all-inclusive. <laughs> Have you guys been to an all-inclusive before? It was my first time. The amount of food that is never ending is incredible. I really believe that's heaven, like like (laughs) daily heaven. Just find me at the buffet, right? (laughs) Where's John? He's at the buffet. (laughs) You know, God says you're gonna have a mansion. My mansion is just gonna be one giant table of food. (laughs) But that's the thing of celebration: is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if of your status, your caste system, nothing. That celebration brings people together and we all get to feast and we all get to celebrate and we all get to be in the presence of God. That's the beautiful thing about celebration is that we all can celebrate just as we are, right? That we get to come to his presence and come to his banqueting table and just celebrate. That we could be who we are in coming to the table. Celebration is not an attitude, it's, it's something that we do. We laugh, we sing, we dance, we play. The psalmist describes the joy-filled celebration of the people of God complete with timbrel and dance and trumpet and lute and harp with string and pipe and loud clashing cymbals. In celebration, we celebrate. That's what we do, we celebrate. Celebrate is one of those things that does not diminish with use, but it actually multiplies. Celebration brings more celebration. Joy brings more joy. Laughter brings more laughter. And I've found in many times genuine celebration have the potential of bringing healing and wholeness to an entire community. I believe that yesterday's celebration, I we, we had other family celebrations that we had to go to, so we, really we missed Maggie's celebration. But I believe that even in Maggie's celebration, that we celebrated what God did in Maggie's life, that we wanted to celebrate more that actually bring wholeness and healing into our community and it actually allowed us to be in that place of, of saying yes. Yes to God. Yes and amen to what God is doing. I want to be in a, in, a, in a place where one day we're going to see Eileen come into the fullness of her health and that we could continue to say yes and amen. I want to see a day that Robin comes into full health and we're able to say yes and amen, that we could continue to celebrate. we get to celebrate all of the goodness that God is doing within this community, right? They, and even the little things, little things like someone finding a job. I met with Stephanus this week, and Stephanus says, I'm starting a new job, I just got one after eight months of looking. It's worth celebrating, right? That's worth celebrating. We want to be able to celebrate with each other because as we celebrate, wholeness comes into this community because we're able to remind each other of the goodness of what God is doing in this community. And so we want to continue this, this culture where we, we, we do that. You see, Palm Sunday marks an event in which Jesus enters into Jerusalem. It's something that was worth celebrating. It was fulfilling the prophetic word that the king has arrived. But we also know that as the story continues, it's only a, this story, this, this is only a week, okay? It's not that many days. That as the people celebrated, waved the palm leaves and said, Hosanna for the king has arrived, that these same people that celebrated turned to unbelief and became the same people that said, crucify him. Jesus came into Jerusalem to fulfill the prophetic words of a kingdom to be established. What the people were hoping was that Jesus was going to overturn the ruling powers. He was going to lead a rebellion. He was going to sit himself on the throne as king. And Jesus did none of that because Jesus wasn't going to What Jesus was establishing wasn't just a temporal kingdom. What Jesus was establishing was he was establishing the eternal kingdom. And that meant that he had to die on the cross. That meant that he had to be the sacrificial lamb for all of us. Because we are separated from who God is. And Jesus says that I am the only sacrifice that God will take in your place. So that I could establish a kingdom that is forever, that is eternal. And so people turned on Jesus, not because they, they didn't, well, part of it was because they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. They thought Jesus was going to come and overturn everything, and Jesus was going to lead the rebellion, he was going to be their new king, and Jesus says, I am going to be your new king, but I'm not sitting on this throne, I'm just sitting on the throne that sits in heaven. And what I'm establishing is for you to enter into that kingdom, for you to be a part of that kingdom, for you to be established in the place of where God created you to be from the very beginning of Adam and Eve. That's what Jesus is coming to do. He's like, I'm restoring all of creation, and this is going to be a new creation, that this is going to be a new heaven, a new earth that is going to come. And that I am going to be sitting on a throne and you will worship me in that place. And so what we're we're leading up to is this event that has completely changed the entirety of the world. And that today as we celebrate, that we celebrate in a different way where we know what Jesus is going. We know the ending of the story. We know how, how this, this story unfolds. We know that Jesus is going to die, that Jesus is establishing something new. We're not the people that are standing there in Jerusalem waving the palm leaves. We're not going to turn against Jesus. We're not going to be like, I don't know what you're doing. You're not doing what, I'm fulfilled, what, what, what I expected you to do. And so therefore, I'm going to say crucify him. Instead, we know that our king already sits on his throne and that he has given us access to the Holy Spirit in which he empowers us to do all these things. And it's because of that, Jesus has triumphed over sin, he has triumphed over death, and he has triumphed over our lives. All of these things bring us reconciliation and transformation. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, let us celebrate what Jesus is going to do. Let us remember what Jesus is going to do. The discipline of celebration is one in which it requires us to know who Jesus is. It requires us to know what is worth celebrating, and it requires us to know where celebration comes from. That is not just about having a good time. That is having joy in the goodness of our Father. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we come and we celebrate you. Lord, that as we lead up to to Easter weekend, Lord, that we remember what you've done on the cross. That you remember, that we remember the sacrifice that you had to make. And Lord, that we look to you in gratitude in thanksgiving and reverence. And Lord, that as we come into a place of celebrating Easter, Lord, that it is worth celebrating. Each and every single one of us sitting here, it's worth celebrating. That our lives, redeemed by you, is worth celebrating. So, Lord, we thank you. We pray all this in
1: Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John, for that message, celebration. As I was listening to that sermon, even before he took the uh, uh, quoted from Luke chapter fifteen uh, about the prodigal son, I was already, I already turned my my Bible into Luke chapter fifteen because I said, "John, you gotta you gotta preach from <laughs> from Luke chapter fifteen. You gotta preach about the uh, the prodigal son. You gotta tell the story." And he did, <laughs> and he did, yeah, because that's that's celebration. That's celebration there, see. Let me read from the Bible. It says here, uh, from Luke chapter 15, it says here, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Oh, they were all grumbling. And they were all complaining. Whoa, this man, he eats with the sinners. He receives them. And you know what Jesus did? He told them three straight parables, three rapid in rapid-fire succession of how God rejoices over the lost ones. lost ones. And the lost son, the prodigal son. God rejoices and he celebrates. He like, said, kill the fattened calf and uh, let's have a party. <laughs> let's have a party. And this is what the kingdom of God is is all about celebration, partying with His people. And that's why we celebrate today even with Holy Communion because God wants people around mm. His table eating and drinking celebration in celebration with them. This is what the Kingdom of Heaven is all about. So today as we as we depart from here take this message of celebration into your hearts that God's God's uh, that God's Word is sa- telling you, go have a party in His name. Party with Him. Celebrate with Him. Because all of our sins have been taken away. And all, all the Gospel is telling us is, go out with joy. Out. So now, la- let me bless you, Father God. Father God, May your people know that you really, truly want to bless them. Father, may your blessings fall on your people. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And all God's people say, "Amen." amen. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah.